0: Well, good morning. Welcome to 9 a.m. service. We are in Advent. Today, our theme is love. What a perfect theme for Advent and the coming of Christ as God's love has come to us uh, strongly and powerfully in Jesus. Flurry of activity (laughs) back in the welcome area because today, as always at Christmas, is a very busy day. Um, I do want to say before I forget, Bryson has made uh, some really handy uh, outreach cards. If you've ever wanted to invite someone to church, this is a great opportunity. Our Christmas Eve service on the twenty-fourth at six p.m. is happening in here again, and there's cards available for you back there to uh, to grab and pass out to invite people to Christ or to the service, where hopefully they will. Worship and come to know Christ as, as we do. Um, thank you, Bryson, for making those available. So, um, this Wednesday night, we are going caroling in our community. If you would like to go caroling, I'd like to have lots of groups so that we can visit many homes. In one evening, let's meet at 6 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall. One of my favorite ministries of the year is caroling uh, out in our community at the different homes of those who are mainly, mainly homebound, mainly shut in. Um, I want you to know, if in case you don't, that Michelle Alexander's mother, Miss Carolyn Fodor, has passed away. Uh, I know that seems quite sudden since the time she received her diagnosis, but we know and believe that God's timing and love is perfect. Visitation this afternoon is from 2 to 4 at Almond Funeral Home in Carrollton, and then the funeral is 3 o'clock tomorrow at First Baptist Church in Carrollton. So, Michelle, Benji, we love you. Your mother was a wonderful... Uh, person she helped. In case you don't know, in the reception area at one night in Bethlehem. Uh, several years I remember back when we had it in the uh, children's building. If you remember back that far, that were, there was space for a reception in that area. So um, great thoughts about Miss Carolyn and, and her life. Uh, Miss Betty Keaton is at Tanner Hospital. Please keep her in your prayers. She has pneumonia, but she's getting better. She's getting stronger. She needed to go, um, but she still certainly needs our prayers. And then Miss Judy was saying that Joe is headed to warm. Joe is headed to Warm Springs on Monday. Miss Judy, we love you and we're glad you're here. He will continue to get therapy. Let's pray that he will also uh, get stronger. Any other announcements? Of course, one night in Bethlehem. How could I forget? It's going to be a chilly night, but it's going to be a clear night. So dress warmly if you're either. Uh, volunteering to minister or thinking about going through, um, Elaine is standing as if. But I'll say this: One night in Bethlehem starts at six o'clock, lasts till eight thirty. If you want to be in it, see Crystal. I don't know how easier to put it than that. And okay, Angel Tree, Miss Elaine. Amen. Thank you, Miss Elaine. Can I share a word of praise? Absolutely. Amen. That is a praise. Okay. Mr. Howard. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Uh, Howard sent me a text last night about family members that he has that were affected by the storms in kentucky i don't know what the count final total was uh and is of of the loss of life there but um it's with uh saddened hearts that we remember what took place in kentucky and and you know pray about how to minister i know southern baptists are already um reaching out and doing some things there there may be something that w- an offering that we could take or something that we can do soon to help those affected by those storms. So, Howard, thank you. Let's remember that as well. Crystal. Yes. Kathy, Christopher, pancreatic cancer. And every Sunday this month, we will take Lottie Moon at the end of the service. After, after you, uh, after, as you exit. Thank you, Crystal. Let's stand. I've asked Jeff if he will come and read John chapter 1 and pray. To tell you what, while he reads this, I'm going to go ahead and light the, uni- the, the unity candle. <laughs> that tells you how many weddings I've done. One of the worst mistakes I ever made at a wedding was I forgot to to light the unity candle, and I had, I missed and ignored all the cues that the, the groom was giving me, you know, and I just I forged on ahead with my service. So I must have trauma from that. But this is not a unity candle, but it is an advent candle. Uh, faith, faith, hope, and love. Hope, hope, peace, and love. Next week's joy. Amen. Thank you, Jeff.
1: Good morning. Good morning. All right. Merry Christmas. Thank you. All right. So today uh, we're going to read now the Gospel of John, starting with verse 1 through verse 18. And if you ever witness somebody and you want to direct them to the Bible, I always prefer to send them to John, the Gospel of John. Start there because it's so full of, of actual words that Jesus said that because my Bible's red edition, it's just full of red. Just kind of something that you might want to do. Because even John said, if we wrote down everything Jesus said and Jesus did, there's not enough books to do it. So one thing we look forward to when we go to heaven is that we're going to be filled in with all the stuff that he missed. Maybe you know, maybe he raised more than three people from the dead, as our Bible says. We don't know. But just kind of a word of encouragement. Send them. Send them first to John, and then through the other gospels, but I I really enjoy uh, the book of John, and I can see why, I can see why Jesus chose John to be his favorite, and and you can see, you can see the love that John has for, for Jesus and his words. So, starting with verse 1, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word uh, was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by him, and apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. So my parents planned to have me, but God planned uh, for me to be here on earth, And and the same for you, and the birds, and the trees, and everything else. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend. There came a man sent from God whose name was John. He came for a witness that he might bear witness of the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came that he might bear witness of the the light. There was the true light which coming into the world enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. Thank God we know him. He came to his He came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of men, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. Glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received and grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth was realized through Jesus Christ. No man has seen God in any time. The only begotten God who is of the bosom of the Father he has explained him. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I just I just want to thank you uh, for who you are and everything that you've done for me. And I'm sure everybody in the congregation feels the same way, Lord. It's it's amazing to think that nothing would be here if it wasn't through you and through the power of your Son Jesus Christ. We just we just thank you and and praise you and just. Everything that you've done for us, you just, you fulfill us, Lord, and we know that we can't, we can't do anything successfully unless we come to you first, and we just, we just thank you and praise you. I ask you that uh, you enter into this time of worship with us, allow the Holy Spirit to speak through Neil, he delivers the message, Uh, pray over the the singing that we're going to do today, and just let everybody just be filled with your joy throughout the day and throughout this coming week and tonight we have an opportunity to witness to uh, many lost people probably uh, I was really surprised last week of how many uh, people agreed by saying amen during the part that Erica Reeves did I, that that made me feel good and I was really impressed by that so tonight we're all Johns we're all here to witness for you tonight so the Lord just give us Give us the power and give us the strength to witness to the fallen world. I just love you and praise you and thank you for everything you've done for me. And I just thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. It's his name we pray and it's his name we, we offer up this service. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Good morning. Good morning.
2: We're going to begin this morning with singing the first Noel. week as Neil was preaching, um, there's, there's a reading in our hymn book that is so powerful, and it goes through um, every book of the Bible, and it tells you how Jesus is represented in every book of the Bible, and it's so neat. So I ask if Gavin would read that for us this morning, um, followed by a song In Christ, God revealed his faithfulness to us from the very beginning of time.
3: In Genesis, Jesus is the ram at Abraham's altar. In Exodus, he's the Passover lamb. In Leviticus, he's the high priest. And in Numbers, he's the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. In Deuteronomy, he's the city of our refuge. In Joshua, he's the scarlet thread out Rahab's window. And in Judges, he is our judge. In Ruth, he is our kinsman redeemer. In First and Second Samuel, he's our trusted prophet. And in Kings and Chronicles, he's our reigning king. In Ezra, he's our faithful scribe. In Nehemiah, he's the rebuilder of everything that is broken. And in Esther, he is the Mordecai, sitting faithful at the gate. In Job, he's our redeemer that ever liveth. In Psalms, he is my shepherd and I shall not want. In Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, he's our witness. And in the Song of Solomon, he is that beautiful, beautiful bridegroom. In Isaiah, he's the suffering servant. In Jeremiah and Lamentations, it is Jesus that is the weeping prophet. In Ezekiel, he's the wonderful four-faced man. And in Daniel, he is the fourth man in the midst of a very fiery furnace. In Hosea, he is my love that is forever faithful. And in Joel, he baptizes us with the Holy Spirit. In Amos, he's our burden bearer. In Obadiah, our savior. And in Jonah, he is the great foreign missionary that takes the word of God to all the world. In Micah, he is the messenger with beautiful feet. And in Nahum, he is the avenger. In Habakkuk, he is the watchman that is ever praying for revival. In Zephaniah, he is the Lord that is mighty to save. In Haggai, he is the restorer of our lost heritage. In Zechariah, he is our fountain. And in Malachi, he is the son of righteousness with healing in his wings. And in Matthew, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. In Mark, he is the miracle worker. In Luke, he's the son of man. And in John, he's the door by which every one of us must enter. But in Acts, he is the shining light that appears to Saul on the road to Damascus. And in Romans, he is our justifier. In 1 Corinthians, our resurrection. In 2 Corinthians, our sin bearer. In Galatians, he redeems us from the law. And in Ephesians, he is our unsearchable riches. In Philippians, he supplies our every need. And in Colossians, he's the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In First and Second Thessalonians, he is our soon coming King. Amen. And in First and Second Timothy, he is the mediator between God and man. In Titus, he is our blessed hope. And in Philemon, he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. In Hebrews, he is the blood of the everlasting covenant. And in James, it is the Lord that heals the sick. In First and Second Peter, he is the chief shepherd. And in First, Second, and Third John, it is Jesus who has the tenderness of love. In Jude, he is the Lord coming with ten thousand saints. And in Revelation, lift up your eyes, church, for your for your redemption draweth nigh. He is our King of Kings, and he is our Lord of Lords.
0: Hey, thank you, Gavin, for sharing us the names of Christ through Scripture. Catherine, Russ, thank you so much for reminding us of the beautiful name of Christ. Last week in Isaiah 9, we found some of those names. Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. God has revealed to us who He is through the the names in Scripture that we find of, of Christ. So today's theme is love, so let's go ahead and turn to 1 John chapter 4. I love what Jeff said, all of us tonight are Johns. That that means two things. John was known as the beloved disciple. So all of us are deeply loved by our Father. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure. And not only are we loved by God... But God's love dwells within us, and we are to love one another, the other beloveds. So I was very encouraged uh, by John chapter one jeff and in your reading and your comments. so let's see what John continues to work out about love first John chapter four verse seven through twenty one I look back because I save file folders i'm still I still have all this you know i 'm old, old school, still writing everything down, typing everything out. I have preached first John four several times during Advent on this theme, and i don 't apologize for that. Um, I think I need it, I think we need it because love is difficult. Love is difficult, especially when you look at the kind of love that we 're talking about sometimes. We may feel like Lucy from Peanuts with Charlie Brown and Charles Schultz. She would say, oh, I love the world. It's it's people I can't stand. (laughs) I mean, we're tough to love, especially with agape love, self-giving love. So John goes over and over it. I repeat it because he repeats it. Just in the text I'm going to read this morning, there are three different ways that he commands us to love one another. He's going to say in verse 7, let us love one another. He's going to say in verse 11, we ought to love one another. And then he's going to say in verse 12, if we love one another, this, that, and the other. So... We should know that the great commandment to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves, that, that commandment humbles us and slays us because we're constantly sinning and falling short of that perfect standard, to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love our neighbor as ourselves. So if you're like me, you need this kind of thing regularly. You need to be reminded and taught. So let's get to the text. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, isn't it interesting that the beloved disciple tells others that they are loved by him? And there it is. The love we receive from God, we are commanded and empowered to share with others. Beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God, for God is what? God is love. God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us. Some of the versions there say say it like this, on our behalf or in our case. So is it for us or in us? Theologically, it's both. So some of your... Bible versions have a note there that it's, it's either in us or on our ca- in, in our case. That God has sent, here's Christmas, here's Advent, God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be The propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. This sounds just like John 1. Listen to this. No one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us. Because he has given us of his spirit. So not only has God given us his son, what else does he give us? His spirit. He gives us his spirit. And we have beheld, verse 14, and we bear witness. There's the John that Jeff was talking about earlier. We bear witness that the Father has sent the Son to to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have come to know and have believed. Not only do we know it, we rely on it. The love which God has for us. God is love. And the one who abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. By this, the love, by this love is perfected with us. That we may have confidence in the day of judgment. Judgment is coming. How can we have confidence in the day of judgment? Here it is, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves punishment. But the one who fears is not perfected in love. We love because he he first loved us. If someone says, I love God, and hates his brother, he is a liar. And John does not mince words, does he? He is a liar. The one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. This commandment we have from him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. Father, thank you for amazing grace, the grace upon grace that we receive In Christ, the law comes through Moses, and it condemns us all, but it drives us to Christ. So thank you for both the law and grace. Help us, Father, to grasp more of your love through this text, as your word reminds us repeatedly of how much you love us and how we ought to love one another. Thank you that when Christ came to earth, he was love coming down. In his name we pray. Amen. In the hymn Silent Night is this little phrase, Son of God loves pure light. Son of God loves pure light. That's who Jesus is. He is the Son of God and he loves pure light. In Isaiah we read that the people who walk in darkness will see a light. And then Isaiah told us that the light will shine on them. And then the Bible tells us that the light will be in us. I saw a rainbow yesterday. Did any of you see the rainbow yesterday? It's one thing to see it. But man, what if it shined upon you? What if it came in you? I mean, that's the dynamic of love's pure light that we find in Christ. So what I want to do today is to encourage and empower us to love as God loved us. John reminds us of some truths that you and I need regularly. In fact, we need it daily. We are to preach the good news to ourselves every day in order to begin to grow, to have love perfected in us so that we can love God more with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and so that we can obey that great command of loving our neighbor as ourselves. So there's several considerations in this passage. Number one, the source of love. God is the source of love. God himself is the origin and the source of love. One thing this means is that love has existed for all eternity. Love existed before the world began. Jesus talks in John chapter, chapter 17... Of how the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit loved one another with perfect love before the world ever began. What an amazing thought that love has always existed within God. He is the origin and the source. And everyone who loves proves that they are born from God, born of God, born again. And everyone who loves proves and shows that they know God. This is one we learned in Bible school. God is love. What this means about the source of love is that love is who God is in his essence. It's not just what he does, it's who he is. Now, Bryson and I were talking a few days ago about something C.S. Lewis says in Mere Christianity about playing tennis. I'm not a good tennis player. Now, every now and then I might hit a decent shot, (laughs) but that's not who I am. Now, James Hughes is a good tennis player, it's not just what he does, it's who he is. And there's a a big difference. I had a teacher who used to say, man, even a stop clock is right twice a day. (laughs) Some of us might do loving acts every now and then to certain types of people. But God is the source of love. Meaning all of his activity is loving activity. If he judges, he judges in love. Yet if his judging is in love, his loving is also in justice. He who is love is also light and fire as well. Far from condoning sin. Listen to this. I love this. John Stott says this. God's love has found a way to expose sin because he is light and to consume it because he's fire without destroying the sinner but rather by saving him. God is love, he's light, he's fire, he's spirit. Everything that God does is is loving. Now, at times it may not feel like loving, but we need not think that love is the sugar and creamer. Love's not an additive. Love is the coffee, (laughs) It's the main substance that holds this universe together, and it has always existed. So, if I lack love, already from the from the very beginning, we know where to go. We need to go to the God who, who is love. He is love, and if I want to demonstrate that I truly know Him and am born again, then then I will learn to love. As he loves. So to help us, though, we need a definition of love. Number two, what is the definition of love? Because love is a very vague, abstract concept sometimes. Because I might say, yeah, I love coffee and I love creamer in my coffee. But I also love my children. (laughs) I don't love coffee as much as I love my children. Or I shouldn't. But notice how we throw that word love around. Back in the 80s, some of the secular songs that I listened to said things like this. What is love anyway? I'm not going to sing these. You might would recognize them a little bit if I sang them. I want to know what love is. Crystal's nodding. She knows. She's going to know this one. What's love got to do with it, right? <laughs> and how about this one? I need an everlasting love. So love is something that is a concept that at times can be abstract and we throw it around towards different things. But man, if you want to define it clearly, if you want it demonstrated, if you want it manifested, or manifested um, what is it? I think 9 and 10 and 11, well 9 and 10 of First John 4, to me, some of the clearest verses on the definition of what love really is in all Scripture. In this is love, right? By this, the love of God, look at 9, was manifested. God has sent. God did this. God has done something. Look at who he sent. His only begotten Son. Look at where he sent him. Into this world, dark, fallen, cruel World, so that those who are dead might live through him. And this is love. We don't love God by nature. We did not love God. He says that. Not that we loved God, because by nature we don't. We, we're curved in on ourselves. But He loved us. Well, Romans puts it like this while we were enemies, He loved us. And he sent his son to be a sacrifice of atonement, bearing the punishment and wrath we deserve for our sin. So I'm elaborating there. But think, think, think. This is what love is. It's, it's surprising, it's sacrificing, it's satisfactory, it's very practical, it's real, it's not abstract. God has acted on behalf of us in a real flesh and blood way through the person of Jesus Christ. What a gift. I don't have time to to exposit this and explain it out, but I'm going to go back to that annual Advent example. I never tire of telling it, even though you may tire of hearing it. How did the Christmas party go, son? Dad, it was awful. (laughs) Why? What happened? The worst kid in the class got the best gift of all. And on a human level, that seems at times unfair and disappointing. But when we look at what God has done for us in Christ, the worst, you and me, have received the best. Christ dying a death we deserve to die. That's when one great theologian was asked, what's the most important word in the Bible? People thought that he was going to say love. But his answer was the word huper, which means instead of substitution. Why is that word more important than that word love? Because substitutionary atonement is the demonstration and manifestation of God's love. Amazing love. How can it be that you, my God, would die for me? That's what he uses to get to verse 11 where he says, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. My love needs to be empowered and driven by God's love for me. It's an ought. The gospel creates an ought in us, it doesn't just create a should, it creates an ought. Jesus used a parable, if the great king has forgiven you a great debt that you could never pay, then you ought to forgive and love those smaller debts that other human beings, in your mind, owe you. That's how love expresses itself. I must move on. Third is the power of love. Oh, love is the most powerful force in the world. Here's something amazing. If we love one another, God abides in us. His love is perfected in us. Notice that John is writing of God's presence and His work. He abides and He perfects. This goes back to the witness aspect that Jeff referred to earlier. The power to be obedient to this kind of love. Because when I see love's definition, man, I say... I can't do that. Years ago, after I used that illustration, a guy came forward during the invitation to our church, and he had tears in his eyes. He says, man, he says, I'm the worst. I'm the worst kid in the class. And I didn't say this, but I thought to myself, he gets it. He gets what you've got to get. To understand grace. But we can't do it because of our fallen nature, our selfishness, our pride, our ego. So God, God in the gospel offers us himself, his love. Romans 5 says, his love has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's, given, who's been given to us. That's the power, it's supernatural the Spirit of God and of Christ dwelling in us in all fullness. And if you'll love, his, his abiding and his perfecting will take place. My kids get tired of me saying this, but if you're a believer and you've got the Spirit within you, there's nothing to it but to do it. <laughs> and the first place I ever heard that was, of all places, the Muppet Show years ago. There's nothing to it but to do it. If you've got the Holy Spirit living within you, if you love one another, God is proof that God abides. But it's almost as if he increases and grows our heart. And here's the evangelistic and apologetic part of it. No one has seen God, but as we love one another, God abides in us and he dwells with us. Do we realize what he's saying? That the unseen God becomes visible and practical and tangible in us and through us as we love other people the way God loved us. So it's the power of love not only to empower me to love people through His Spirit abiding in me, but it's the power of love in that God uses that to demonstrate to the world that He loves them. This is the witness that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior. That's the witness of this love. So when the body of Christ loves one another and loves other people, the invisible God becomes visible. The invisible God becomes visible through the body of Christ practically loving one another. And let me give you an illustration of that that I had this week. So I went off and ran some errands, came back home, and of all things, a Martin and Hightower van is sitting in my driveway now. (laughs) When you pull up to your house and a Martin and Hightower van sitting there, <laughs> well that's not that's usually not a good sign. But then I saw these two older gentlemen coming uh down my front porch and they're heading back to the van and I thought, oh good, <laughs> they brought my cheese. Now y'all don't know this, but Martin and Hightower makes the rounds and they deliver pastors cheese. It's good cheese, <laughs> all right. And I look forward every year, every year to getting, that, to getting that, that block of cheese. <laughs> I guess it's our payment or appreciation for all the funerals we do throughout the year. But it is, in all seriousness, a nice gesture. But here's my point. One of those gentlemen says, man, how are things down at Glenlock? I says, they're going well. And he says, you know what? He says, you got somebody down there at Glenlock that is a treasure to me. And he says, I'm going to cry. He says, it's Kim Harper. I says, yes, sir. He says, uh, earlier this year, I lost a friend. And she came up to me. This guy works at Martin and Tower. okay? That may be important to the context. When I lost my friend, and Kim Harper put her arms around me and she hugged me. He says, oh, he says, that meant so much to me. Kim Harper doesn't just do loving acts. She is love. Now, I'm not calling her God and I'm calling her Jesus. Let's not press this too far. But I thought to myself, God loves this gentleman. And in this gentleman's grief and in his sorrow, God wanted to express love to this man. And God expressed, the invisible God expressed visible, tangible love to this man through who? Through his child who grasped that love. So I took my cheese, all right? But man, I took with me also the knowledge that when you love people, The invisible God becomes visible through the work and the love of his church. That's what John is saying. That's why it's important that we press through our selfishness and our fear and our ego and our insecurity. That's why we need to press through that and, hey, we ought to love one another this way. And let's be honest, opportunities abound, okay? I've got more, but I'm going to wind this thing up. Fourth is the security of our love. The security. Hey, judgment's coming. We're we're going to be judged. The difference is whether or not you're going to have confidence in the judgment. The difference is whether or not you're going to know that when you're judged, you're judged by your Heavenly Father for your position in Christ. And it makes all the difference. Because John five twenty four says, those who believe in His Word and Him, we've already passed from death to life, and we're not going to come under judgment. Because the judgment due us fell upon Christ. The judgment and punishment due me fell upon Christ. So now I'm in Christ... And this says that there's no fear in perfect love because I know my Father loves me perfectly. And there's no fear in judgment because perfect love casts out fear. And there's no fear in judgment because as He is, so am I in this world. I'm counted as righteous as Jesus. So I'm at the dump and I ask this man. He's slowly moving and throwing his trash in there. He says, how you doing, sir? He says, well, I guess I'll find out one of these days. (laughs) And I thought, well, that's an interesting statement. It's very true. How are we doing? We'll find out one of these days. It has not yet appeared what we shall be. But when he appears, ah, to those who know God as Father, we have perfect security in our Father's love, and there's no fear in judgment that makes all the difference in daily life. I'll close with this story. I meant to share it last week, and some of my stuff gets carried over. (laughs) Years ago, I read a book by Brendan Manning called The Ragamuffin Gospel. Now, his theology wouldn't line up with mine or ours in every point, but boy, he gets this concept of God as our loving Heavenly Father who sent His Son for sinners like me and Him. And this book's a remarkable story. He tells a story about a man named Edward Farrell. He's a priest from Detroit. And he went on a two-week vacation to visit relatives in Ireland. That sounds nice, two weeks in Ireland, doesn't it? His one living uncle was about to celebrate his 80th birthday. And on the great day, Ed and his uncle, they got up early to walk along the shores of Lake Killarney and they stopped to watch the sunrise and they stood side by side for a full 20 minutes (laughs) 20 minutes and then they resumed walking and Ed glances over at his uncle and he saw that his face had broken into this huge smile and Ed says to his uncle, Uncle Seamus you look very happy His uncle turns and says, Oh, I am, lad. And Ed asks his uncle, You want to tell me why? And his uncle replied, Yes, you see, my Abba is very fond of me. My Abba is very fond of me. How can sinners like us know that our Abba, our Heavenly Father, Is so fond of us. Because the pleasure and joy he has in his son, he has in those who are in his son. And that, my friends, is the perfect love that casts out all fear so that we may have confidence facing the judgment because the judge is the father who loves me And sent his son to be the propitiation for my sins. Greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends. Father, thank you for that kind of love. Lord, when we feel it, it does touch us at a level that's far deeper than surface interactions and emotions because you created us for a relationship of love with you and with one another and because of sin and death and selfishness and all that this fallen world has love love at times is very difficult especially self-giving and self-sacrificing love but I thank you that you've told us to do it and to practice it And you've promised us that you've given us in the gospel not only a demonstration, but an empowerment to love as you first loved us. So help us through one night in Bethlehem. Help us through family Christmas gatherings. Help us through the office parties. Help us to shine this light that has been shined upon us and in us, which is the Son of God loves pure light. Help us to be and do that. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand and sing our hymn of invitation. You come as we sing. Amen. What a story, and we get the joy of retelling that tonight through One Night in Bethlehem. Hey, I forgot to announce youth Sunday school party immediately after the 11 o'clock service in the youth space, or maybe the fellowship hall. I don't know. Today, just show up at one of those places, <laughs> Turn, give, give Bryson your youth card, and you can have, you have a wonderful lunch and time together. Um, And don't forget the Lighty Moon offering on your way out. Thank y'all so much for being here. Catherine, will you close our service, please?
2: Hey, last week before y'all left, I told you to find somewhere in the parking lot and pray. I know some people must have done some praying because y'all, I don't know if you know, but we got 500, over 500 people through Bethlehem. And at one point, I, I, I won't lie, I was a little in panic attack trying to get everybody in that parking lot in here. But did you know everybody I talked to, nobody waited more than 20 or 30 minutes? I mean, that is like, prayers. I know y'all prayed over that parking lot for us to get that many people in and for everything to just go so smoothly um, next week. And it's going to be incredible if we have that many people come through tonight, that's going to be the most that's ever gone through Bethlehem. Um, So be in prayer again today and it's going to be awesome. Let's sing Go Tell It on the Mountain
4: as we leave. Go tell it on the mountain over the hills and every Tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Have a great
2: day.